The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as entertainment and commentary only. The producers strive for verisimilitude, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence. How you doing, everybody? Andrew Scott, host of the Keep Your Hat On podcast, and also the producer, which means the guy responsible for getting this thing out into the wild. So this episode was recorded right before Thanksgiving and was supposed to be out about two weeks later. But then life happened. It's been a really crazy December. And so I apologize to you guys and to my fellow presenters for this being out so late, but, um, okay, (laughs) it happens sometimes. But I want to take a minute on behalf of Mark and Chris and Ty and Michael to thank you guys for being patient with us sometimes and for sticking with us. We know there's not a whole lot of viewers and a whole lot of listeners, but for those people who are here with us, we really do appreciate you and we're grateful for your support and you following us. I'm going to admit that 2023 is kind of a year for me to really lean into this podcast because aside from the fact that the four of us, the five of us all like doing it, we think that we have something valuable to contribute, even if it's just four friendly voices. We could use more friendly voices right now, but anyways, not to get all heavy on you. Actually, that happens at the end of the episode, but from everybody Dr. Mark, Chris, Ty, myself, and our dear announcer, Michael. Happy New Year. Let's get on with the show. Existence, the physical universe, is basically play. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at. Everybody. Welcome back to Keep Your Hat on the Show, where hell even we don't know where we're going to go. I'm Andrew Scott, along with Dr. Mark Peterson and Ty Robert Anthony and Christopher Vacano. And we're just jumping into this and we're doing this. This is the way we roll now, apparently. And we are talking, we're going to be talking a little bit about nostalgia, but actually something that ties into this. We're talking about, right now, we're talking about continuity. I am doing a video that discusses continuity, and Dr. Mark just brought up to me. Uh, you know, we all grew up watching the old original uh, Superman television show with uh, with George, uh, Reeves, George, Reeves, George Reeves. Very sad, weird story that happens wasn't with there George. A movie, Reeves. by the way, wasn't they did a movie about yeah, that? There was. We'll link yeah. to that below. Yeah, okay, Very yeah. interesting story, but sad and creepy. Anyways, um, one of the things that used to happen by way of continuity in that show, like Doctor Mark just pointed out, is you'd uh you'd be watching and then they go from one scene to another and somebody would be wearing something different or different yeah. shoes or like, something yeah. would move on a shelf and that's an yeah. example of blown continuity but you asked me mark if there are other examples about it and this actually very neatly dovetails in to my one of my points of both continuity and nostalgia for this time of year oh. and that is 
WKRP in Cincinnati. This episode right now that we're recording is going out. We're recording it right before Thanksgiving. It's going to go out. We're talking to you in December. Everybody's thinking of the turkey episode right now. The classic turkey episode. Yep. Where to God turkeys could fly. Yes. Um, (laughs) It is right. We all immediately know what we're talking about, and we are all laughing out loud because I swear to God, it is one of the fucking funniest things that has ever wound up being broadcast on television. Yeah. (laughs) They're hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. It's just funny and i just have this warm glowing feeling whenever i think about it my dad and i watched it broadcast live in real time like you used to have to do yeah and and, you know i i I think i was like nine something like that and you know that moment in your life when you suddenly cross over this invisible boundary of laughing because your family or laughing like peers and that was a moment between me and my old man where we just laughed our asses off as fellow human beings about something that was so beyond funny. We couldn't yeah. stop. Oh, but, and of course, we'll try to show it here. If I can't, I'll link down to it because the whole episode is brilliant. It is a but kind of ritual what, bonding experience, isn't it? It's like, a, yeah, it is. You know, like we were but, sitting around a campfire 10,000 years ago, beating on drums and, and Ugg dropped a, a rock on his foot. And then you and your dad lo- lose it laughing. Exactly. And then yeah. anytime the anybody same. drops a rock, <laughs> Ugg is going to be remembered fondly. But yeah, when know, it comes to continuity, WKR oh, yeah. Cincinnati is a great example of preserving continuity because, and to this day, so many people don't either remember this or never caught it. Les Nesman. In every single episode of WKRP in Cincinnati, aside from the invisible, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, the tape on the floor. Yep, is the band aid. Yeah, he always had a band aid. The ever moving band aid. There was a bandage on that poor man. You were never told why he injured himself. You never see him injuring himself. It's just this wandering, roving band aid. Was that his idea, or was there somebody you know in the production staff that thought you know it would be funny or? apocryphally the the story goes that richard sanders the guy who played less injured himself the night before the first full cast recording and had to wear a plaster had to wear a bandage and they couldn't not have it in camera so the the production crew just decided like we here this is our ethos on keep your hat on is well if it's got to be in let's just point to it but let's point to it in a very subtle way. We'll turn it into a running gag. Uh, and I think it, you know, I haven't done the deep dive on it, but I'm pretty sure that it features in almost every single episode. No, that's like, a, that's a thing. I think. There's an it. And it makes it, it makes it quietly all that much more funny because, you know, and I mean, I remember I, it was probably four or five episodes into the series that I kind of caught that something was going on with this Band-Aid. And I remember sitting there with my watching with my mom and dad and looking at my mom going, I wonder where the Band-Aid's going to be. And she goes, well, they're in the bathroom. And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) unless. Where's the Band-Aid going to show up? She had not even noticed at all. But WKRP in Cincinnati for me is a major point of nostalgia and when we come back from the break we're gonna kind of dive joke broke my neck diving we're gonna dive into nostalgia and a discussion of nostalgia on the other side of this break in the meantime the tight i'm andy that's mark that's chris that's ty we'll be back in just a second don't go away bye bye We're back on Keep Your Hat on the show where hell even we don't know where we're going to go. And we are proving it right now with Ty Robert Anthony. There we go. I was just looking for a sign of life. And uh, 
Christopher Vacano and the Mike Eater himself, Dr. Mark <sighs> Peterson. It is getting toward holiday season, and some of us suffer, and I say suffer consciously, some of us suffer from some pretty severe nostalgia. Oh, dear, dear. So, uh, Ty, what's the most nostalgic thing that you experience through this time of year? October is yes. Rocky Horror. Right. right. Okay. Ah. Got to sit down and watch Rocky Horror. God bless you, Tim Curry. And and uh, when I when I can I, I have to do this by myself because she's just not into it. But oh, there's nothing Nash- worse than being forced into nostalgia by yourself. Wow. National Lions uh, vacation. Yeah. This is a okay. oh is yeah, sure. Uh, oh, uh, even though it's so. Wrong. Wait, are you, wait, did you say Christ, the Christmas vacation or just the regular vacation? No, oh, Christmas, Christmas vacation. vacation. Yeah, Christmas uh, so vacation. this this is I did not know this until I discovered that my neighbor, my old neighbor across the street in West Bend, uh, Ted, was one of those people. And he used to okay. goose up. No, it's like he would like splash his whole freaking house. It was one of these electric glow snow globes every <laughs> Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. And then one year it was like he'd actually gotten his brother-in-law to like park a motorhome in the front of the house. Oh, right on. <laughs> and it was right like, I finally, I finally got to ask him, it's like, so Ted, you know, this is eerily like, and he goes, Chevy Chase? It was like, dude, what? There's apparently like his family was a cult for this, uh, for uh, the Christmas movie from Lampoon. And they had like down to like the antler uh, glasses and the mm-hmm. the odd shaped presents on the table that were all those like sure. they were, like. So this is a thing, Robert. I didn't know you were doing that. Do you do that? I don't get that heavily into that. That's okay. You're not that. Uh, that's you don't get the motor. You'd, you'd, yeah, you'd have a lot of explaining to do to the wife if you you know start going that. Uh, but it's, you know, just there wow. are some some things that are just so wrong in that movie. But so good. Um, yeah, I like. I I just laugh about. Uh, she can't blink because her eyes are frozen. Right. Yeah, that whole routine is just hilarious. And then and the, and the, the routine in the in in the mall is just. I mean, mine is still gel, Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> <laughs> or the rant that he goes on when, he, and then at the yeah. very end he says. Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? Yeah, it's just so funny. Chris, you? And this can be for, I shouldn't make it exclusive to Christmas. We're in front of Thanksgiving, but you know what? But it is, yeah, I mean, it's it's seasonal. It's it's Thanksgiving. Actually, it It starts with Halloween. Seasonal affective disorder for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, for me, it's television. Uh, My holidays were always shaped by Charlie Brown and, and, you know, starting with Great Pumpkin and then the Thanksgiving and then the Christmas. Um, uh, Rankin and Bass. Uh, oh, yeah. animation. Of, one of the key points of nostalgia for me, even though it's utter rubbish, is Rudolph. Oh, um, of course. And, and it's, I mean, part of why what? I'm such a, such a 50s geek is because I just obsessively love the visual style of Rudolph. I mean, yeah. that made such an impression on me as a kid. And and I was pondering pondering this because, you know, I knew we'd be talking about nostalgia uh, today. I was pondering this. And I realized what I'm nostalgic for in the holidays is someone else's nostalgia because these were shows that were all <laughs> that's a really good point <laughs> these were all shows that were made in the 50s and got very meta for us in that yeah we were we were I mean, they the just were the holidays that we never experienced Man, right this is so interesting yeah you know uh, um yeah, that we're just far enough apart generationally you guys that we all know the same tv shows but only because you might have seen them on tv land Right? Well, uh, well, well not, we not just saw them in reruns every year. Reruns, all, reruns. All, yeah, all three yeah. of us are in our fifties. You're in. So your you're a little too old for, for that. So you're That's outside just, of that. No, we we yeah, experienced yeah. what I would couch it as as the first wave of nostalgia. Um, you know, uh, the Charlie Brown, uh, all the peanut stuff showed up on CBS. Yeah. Um, 
we would have <laughs> right exactly with, with, with the eye flying at you kind of like uh-huh. a, that, um, that one kid that one kid I mean, oh, this yeah. stuff is just burned into our memories. <laughs> that's right. And I mean, that's, that's, right. That's, another point. that's another point of nostalgia, I guess, that we'll have to go to, and that is a Christmas story. Uh, um, of course. Ralphie. You know, yeah, Ralphie. And <laughs> I think uh, I was in college when that came out, and so it's like, you know, everybody talks, right? but it's one of those things that's like, eh, eh. No, it's way more a Gen X thing than it is a tail end boomer uh, thing. there you we are, totally yeah. recognize that. Yeah. But what's funny about that, of course, is, that's the first holiday thing that was representative, generally speaking, of how I grew, how we as a generation grew up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the, the ties to, you know, Wisconsin in that, uh, you know, I mean, seriously, I was one of the kids who froze his tongue to a flagpole. I, <laughs> I did that. We should have known that. Though. We were. <laughs> Shoulda, coulda, woulda, man. <laughs> Life experience. Uh, mm. And and so it, it's the generation after us, Gen Y, that really mm. was the one that started getting it on TV land and cable oh, and stuff like that. Right. For many years, a lot of that stuff started to go away in favor of contemporizing Christmas stories, you know, with a very special episode of this, that, or the other thing that was currently on television. And right. then, of course, right when we were, as Gen X, when we were coming of age, you had this... Uh, this this wave, I would couch it as infestation, of uh, Hallmark holiday classics. And now it's a year-round industry. I mean, that's all I can Hallmark probably say does. I don't think I've ever seen one of those. Well, I've never gone through a whole one. I've only gotten them, you know, hit on the side of the head as I was walking past somebody else watching. <laughs> they can well, all write and, themselves, and, by and, the way. Just for, for fun, we used to just, you know, make up the plot lines where... Yeah. Um, Former uh, girl who didn't make the cheerleading team goes to New York City, becomes a famous wealthy lawyer, moves home, runs into the former football player she was uh, had a crush on, who is now a firefighter, right? And uh, rediscovers and rekindles their childhood romance uh, after some difficulties with the the pretty girl who wanted to marry the firefighter is still in the town. Well, yeah, and you yeah. got to get the one legged dog rescue in there somewhere <laughs> um, named Scruffy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. See, you, and, what? And you Bobby's in nailed, the well. You nailed the thing about the about the Hallmark the Hallmark holiday movies is you've seen one, you've seen them all. Yeah. Because yeah. it is exactly the same story over and over and over again. It's just different different window dressing. If it if it hasn't turned been turned into a thing, I've just figured out a way to make the four of us rich. We do this. Everybody comes up with ten different ten different characters. 10 different plot lines, 10 different twists, and yeah. 10 different random things. And we put it into a book like Mad Libs. And you yeah, just I was going to say, through. Hallmark Holiday Mad Libs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your own shitty story. Of, uh, you know, what if we happy. did What if we did a Words Against Humanity version of that? Oh, I, I love it. Already cards Against the Holidays. If there isn't, oh, free okay, one. Yeah. Yeah. Have it, kids. You can. I somebody has that. that. That's actually true. I tell you what, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back on the other end and actually start talking about something, you know, important. <laughs> we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is the third segment of Keep Your Hat On. I'm just, I'm going to keep us plowing forward. Oh, boy. <laughs> I love it. Hey, I, I do want to chime in one one more bit of nostalgia. You mentioned WKRP earlier and the, the Thanksgiving, the, the turkey episode. Yeah. Uh, my absolute favorite WKRP is the Christmas episode where 
Art Carlson. It's it's uh, Christmas Carol. He he gets into the, right. the, the the brownies laced with with weed, <laughs> yeah. And which which were actually just regular brownies. Yeah. Uh, and and you know he's visited. It's all about you know giving raises to the staff and whatever or, or holiday bonuses. That to me, I I, I mean it's wonderful. Uh, it, it, it's just I love that episode. All right, I'm going to complain about this now. So this is uh, the grouchy old man remembering Ooh. things. And I just have I have two since it's it's, it's seasonal with cloud, but yeah. but it's seasonal and it, it's also this is one you of the it is old man my lawn. yeah it is one of old man screaming at clouds um, so when here's the thing I here's the thing I, I kind of missed there's two details here one has to do with college football and the other one is the Macy's Day Parade okay and what I miss and it's because I've I've tried watching the Macy's Day Parade in like more recent decades and I can't. Because it's no longer a parade, right? It is no. now this this show in front of um, in front of NBC, right? In front of Rockefeller Plaza. Say, is it even in front of? Is I, mean, I don't even. A, yeah. Branding, is who, it in front of Macy's? Is who it, knows? Okay. And and it used to actually just be the parade, right? Right. And you'd wait for Underdog, right? Especially, of course, every my, my, every my generation. Year, and, and, and um, there was no Kermit then. Nah, no, no Kermit didn't come in until our generation and a yeah, little bit. Yeah, see, after. there was no Kermit yet. We had uh, underdog Felix the Cat still showed up, which is like that right, yeah, yeah. And so, like, there were all the, but you know, all of those balloons. And and I remember the year they introduced like a Snoopy balloon. This was like ah, um, probably 1969, 1970, something like that. They, when they were naming when they were naming Apollo missions after Charlie Brown, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, um, but I miss just watching the freaking parade. And now it's like, you know, the cutting is so fast now that you can't just watch that anymore. Yeah. And so in the same weird freaking zone was um, in the ancient days. So this is even when I was in college, this is like in the mid 70s. Um, I loved watching football. I, I'm a big college football fan more than even the pros. And although I, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful now that the, <laughs> that the Packers are having like the worst season in oh. decades. And I'm kind of happy about that because it's going to get everybody's head back in where it belongs. Anyway, um, but in the old football games, uh, Keith Jackson called them for ABC. I right? freaking love that man. That was like, that was the purity of the, of the game, but there wasn't like the huge advertising like there is today. Mm. And, and no. so they would actually, and so here's the thing I miss everybody. My age will miss this too. They used to show you the bands during right? halftime. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And it yeah. was like, that was like that was like the whole the ritual process of the game was Trump to have man and then Ohio State the guy the, the tuba guy would come out and dot the I you maybe remember this in Colorado we had an annual competition every year that was televised called drums along the Rockies. oh that's but that's famous though too that was famous yeah and, and yeah I mean that was like totally a Colorado thing well, to do and, you know, mark for us both Crimson Tide and UW Madison had absolutely unbelievable marching oh, the bands unbelievable the million dollar band at bama roll tide roll and tide. um and here with the badgers man the badgers band is like a famous a famous yeah. like endless musical orgy of some sort i'm not involved in this but it's like that's what i hear <laughs> it's like they've, they've got they have gotten in trouble when they have gotten in trouble in some hotels because <laughs> Because they bring the ethos. They bring yeah. the tuba, man. That's because what happens. This one time at band camp. <laughs> right. And it's apparently it's all band camp. That is another point of nostalgia for me, man. When you get into October and somebody starts playing the beer barrel polka, I start hearing polka. <laughs> man, it's that time of year. You, know, you miss fish fry, Andy? This is. Do you miss oh, fish fries? Do I miss fish fry? I mean, I miss, you're out there. Let me count the ways. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. out there where there's where there's real fish. I mean, they got fish where you are. But they here's the thing about that, and again, another point in nostalgia. I grew up eating lake perch. I grew uh, up yes. eating perch, freshwater, walleye, musky, yeah, pike, things like that, and and lake perch, and. Really, right about the time I left, I moved out to the left coast here, and uh, right at the millennium, and just yeah. the tail end of '99. 
And I remember talking to my dad a couple years later, like 2001, 2002. And I was just like, have you been yeah. getting out for fish fry? And he's like, that ain't worth it anymore. They got to use cod. It doesn't taste the same. And I was like, why? Are you? <laughs> and I, I started doing some investigation right around oh. the millennium, man. They just, they put a prohibition on pulling lake perch. You really couldn't get it anymore unless you're an independent fisherman in a small lake. And oh yeah, they they there were a couple of there were a couple of firms that out that overfished like crazy. Yeah, and I, I probably got you know a few hundred dollars fine, and then they wiped out the purse stocks in uh, in the lake. Um, and for for our fans from other places, because you know I lived on the Gulf Coast, so I have a real snobbery about fish. But but yeah. uh, walleye walleye is the freshwater pompano. I'm just gonna yeah. oh, put that out there. Analogy. That's actually yeah. a really good analogy. It's because pompano, yeah. for those who don't know, pompano is a really interesting fish because it's sweet. Oh, it's and the it's best, man. Wonderful profile, and it's really flaky, tender. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right because um, walleye and muskie <laughs> and all the, they're all kind of in the same family in perch. Yeah. It has this wonderful nutty sweetness to it that you don't get anywhere else. No, it's and, a weird experience. And you know, when I got back here, it's like um, when I got back to the Midwest. Remember, I got I got enculturated into uh, the Midwestern, the Wisconsin tradition of fish fry. And so, for those of you out there, MJ Stevens in Slinger, Wisconsin, has the best fish fry in North America. Just saying. Anyway, I'm not doing that, I yeah, remember. Yeah, people will people will go to war over this and cheese curds. Of course, that's the other thing. But I remember thinking, it's like I kind of went in. It's like, oh, fish fry. Well, that'll be nice, you know, because I've been eating grouper and stuff, flounder, and you know, redfish and red snapper. But um, walleye, baby, just yeah, saying, that's walleye all I'm say. is good. And that's all I'm say. what what was interesting to me is when I uh, when I left my when I when my first when my marriage ended first marriage when my marriage ended and i moved out on my own i i moved into a very hipstery area of portland i was up uh uh i was up on top of mount Tabor, and right down the road for me on hawthorne boulevard was one of the area's most famous fish restaurants uh it and um the guy who owned that particular spot was a huge Packer fan. And so when you walked oh. in, there was a mock uh, Lombardi trophy that greeted you. And the whole place was, it was a Packer bar. And so I literally had a Packer bar six blocks away from where I was living. Yeah. Um, and you know, that cool. shit, that shit happens. I, when I was down in Mobile about 10 years ago, and the local, they found a bunch, they found like uh, 10 Packer fans wearing cheese heads in a local bar in Mobile. And of course they did this like anthropological survey of, you know, it's like, they're, they're called cheese heads. It's and exactly. So <laughs> it was really sweet. What other nostalgic, what other items here though? What, um, well, um, so but anyway, what those are my two. What I haven't I, heard anybody speak about is the Grinch that stole Christmas. Oh, Thank After you, my girl. time, and I mean the up. original Grinch. I mean Boris, yeah, and, uh, Mr. Yeah, animated, yeah, yeah. Boris Karloff, man, you're right. Yeah. That's and, right. I loved his dog. Oh my god. Oh, if you didn't, you were dead inside. Come on. Yeah, I, um, I felt so bad for that dog. Everybody <laughs> did. But here's the here's the thing. Uh, I agree with you, Ty. We're on food, so let's stick with food. Your, <laughs> most, your most nostalgic food thing. And tell you what, let's let's broaden it out. Oh my god, I got one. Go on. Go All on. right, Ty. Oh, well, um green bean casserole. You know. Yeah. It's just yeah. not a holiday season unless you've had a plate with green you kind bean of casserole. Good green bean it. casserole. Yeah. Well yeah. and you know, I will back you in that there is such a thing as good green bean casserole. Absolutely. That stuff that you are eating and you know that you're full, but it tastes so good that you just continue. You can't to stop. That's the yeah. thing that's going to give you the food poisoning that's just going to make you fall asleep until the next day. Just pounding that stuff down. Uh, Chris, what have you got? That's one by way you? to look at it. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, Chris, what I'm have you got to... by way of food nostalgia? I'm trying to think of... Uh, uh... Neither of my the, the the two bits of food nostalgia that come to mind 
are specifically holiday related. Actually, yeah, one of them is ha- say we can broaden it out. Yeah, it is Halloween related. One of them, uh, but and 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 I'm I know you guys are just going to absolutely eviscerate me for the other one, so I'll start with that one so we cool. can get it out of the way. Everybody, get uh, the knives out. I got a machete here somewhere. Awesome. I, a, a real Go. nostalgic food for me is hush puppies from Red Lobster. Boo. Boo. <laughs> wow. Your parents Boo. hated you. Is that what you're saying, Chris? <laughs> well, I he was in Colorado. On I every mean, that holiday. was where we got seafood. That was, oh, you know, that's right. Yeah, in Colorado, you your your choices are kind of limited. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, so you mean they didn't have an Applebee's? Don't they have like mountain hush no. puppies? Isn't that like a thing? Free range. Uh, hush <laughs> no, they're. Free range. Uh, there is there's nothing uh you might you might be thinking of rocky mountain oysters but um no i sort of i sort of wasn't but yeah (laughs) okay oh Uh, yeah that was the furthest thing from my mind i was talking about the free range hush puppies that were trucked in from the wyoming hush puppies (laughs) (laughs) what do you do i'm a hush puppy breeder I, I must have, I must have missed that <laughs> while I was there. Yeah, the other the other nostalgia uh, uh, is is candy is a certain type of candy that is no longer being made, and and it breaks my heart because it was to me the best candy ever, and that's Necco wafers. Oh, oh yeah, what they don't make yeah. those anymore? I, yeah, they I, stopped I, making oh, them like yeah, three they years do. ago. Yeah, they so, do. No. Here's the thing, and this is one of the the wonderful things of our modern life, in that is if enough people get nostalgic for something, somebody will buy the manufacturing <laughs> rights and pull yeah. it out of mothball. Somebody I, please I, put I, it in the chat. Seriously, every once in a while I come across them. Right? Yeah, I still, I still spot them. I just know that they're made and by s- a different company. Sometimes now. they're like big. Right, they, they even have to like, like the big ones. Where you look at them and you go, "Who is yeah, there, that?" Would is get there, me is back there a to church of insulin for this too. I mean, oh my god, my thing uh, was, and you you guys can eviscerate for me, eviscerate me for this. But one of the things that I to this day I will fight you over candy corn. I friggin' love. <laughs> sit there. I like just, candy corn. No, nope. okay, so I've never understood the strong feelings about candy corn. I, but I, remember, I, remember the hard candies? They I mean, only were at grandma's. Oh yeah, right? all the holiday Warther's ones. Mints. The you mean the one of the crinkly the, with the crink? Oh wait, yeah. you mean with the crinkly? Sh- uh, the Warther's caramels, right? With the crinkly butterscotch shells. Those right? and oh, and I'm talking about the hard candy that was like in ribbons, yeah, and then you that, had like was, the orange. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You had this variety of hard candy that you could only find yeah. at grandma's house. Well, mm. I didn't have a grandma, but I had an aunt who served as one, and that's where I went for that fix. You're absolutely right. Uh, what uh, I didn't get about candy corn was, and we've all done this, is sugar? no, not no, not that. It's not that funny. it's that didn't you try eating the white part first to, and then try the orange part and then see if they tasted differently from each other? Oh, I used to do that all the time. Uh, I, I, I'm I the only I, I've, oh, I've Chris and I that. are the no, only I've two. Tried uh, that. And I always I thought okay. they did actually taste different. I, I uh, no, of course they didn't taste different. They're just no, it's all the same. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and placebo yeah, effect i probably did that's it just once. like saying fruit loops all <laughs> right? all tasted different they didn't they never did <laughs> the blue one tastes blue the oh red my God. well and and and, and now that i think about it you guys you guys are shattering a lot of memories for me because like uh, <laughs> a, 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 a zebra striped gum weird. Uh, oh, I remember that. That all tasted exactly if, the same. If, if, if you got out the exacto blade and you were cutting out each color, wow, that they- <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna have to have a conversation of a different shade at that point. Well, I tell you what, folks, we're gonna come back and we're gonna wrap this weird nostalgic trip up because I really want to talk about the experience of nostalgia, and we'll do so after we come back from this break on the Narrow Band Broadcast Network. That's Ty, that's Chris, that's Dr. Mark, I'm Andy. We'll be back in just a second. Don't go anywhere, unless it's like to the bathroom or maybe the free.
<laughs> everybody to keep your hat on the final segment to keep your hat on i'm andrew scott along with my good friends hi robert anthony and christopher vacano and the sneaky bastard himself dr mark peterson oh <laughs> we're talking nostalgia here now i oh, am gonna set this little portion up in that you know i'm 54 years old and this past year for me has really been a train wreck as far as my health goes i was in the hospital six times during a friggin global pandemic and i had to have a surgery and i'm still dealing with a bunch of stuff things are better but um you know uh, the nostalgia i felt start to creep in at the beginning of the pandemic and i think a lot of that has to do with you know everybody was self-isolating we were all kind of in our uh, cocoons and in our silos and you go to the things that give you comfort in times of stress right that's just a general way of living and it really did start pushing me into places of nostalgia and Mm. the the buddhist practitioner in me and ty you'll probably be able to speak to this a little as well um the buddhist practitioner in me feels really concerned when i start feeling nostalgic because it means that you are trying to re-experience something from the past emotionally. Not let it land on you emotionally and feel those emotions contemporarily, but literally embody the the, the zeitgeist, literally embody mm. what being in the past felt like. And that's kind of not where you go when you're supposed to be meditating or when you're supposed to be pursuing a buddhist type of practice you're supposed to try to stay in the here and now um and so it it started making me reflect on the act of reflection and the act of feeling nostalgic and then of course you dump that all on top of the incredible tumult that the last and i'm going to say this the last seven years have been you know that made me go, wow, I'm nostalgic for older presidents. I'm nostalgic for times in our past where life was easier. And Mark, I, I would like, I know that you have, and you voiced this on episodes in the past, but now I'm going to give you uh, the, the mic and let you run wild. <laughs> um, I know that you have kind of a theory about nostalgia and you have strong feelings about nostalgia. And I'm interested in knowing what they are. Uh, and originally, actually, I'm just uh, double checking my math here. the The term wasn't coined until the uh, late 17th century, and it originally came really? out of this. Yeah, I know it came. It, actually, I'm looking at it right here. Uh, coined in a dissertation at the University of Basel by Johannes Hofer, and uh, a way of rendering the German uh, "homewe," uh, homesickness. Yeah, homesickness. And the funny thing about nostalgia, right, is it's it's a homesickness for a home you didn't really have. That I mean, I think that's the experience of it. And without jumping into like, you know, neck deep in the, in the semiotic background of this thing is you have to, what the way I, the way I think about this is um, there's a difference between the uh, facts you have about your life and the relationship you have to those facts, right? They can be very different things. And uh, that oh, relational- they are very different things. Neurologically. Uh, and they are. And it's like- um, uh, you know, we have to figure out how to mediate, right? How to how to deal with the facts of our lives, right? Whether they're good or bad. I was thinking, we were joking about this coming in because I'm actually wearing my. Uh, here, wait a second. Speaking of of nostalgia, I'm wearing my uh, my gang colors here, my University of Toronto <laughs> sweatshirt, and you know, it's, I'm still I'm kind of embarrassed that I have one, but I did notice this, you know, when I, when I got out here. Um, into the, into the rural heartland of America is like, nobody had ever heard of Toronto is like, you know, I actually knew things when I got here. It's like, nobody cares. Um, uh, and I, one of the things I've noticed is like, uh, and we were just talking about my friend Hugh, who's been on this podcast. We've already romanticized our experience in graduate school. It's like, oh yeah, it was so awesome. Do you remember going here and doing that? And it's like, no, it was horrible, man. We we had our yeah. we had our heads beaten in for like five six years, and uh, and it was tough the whole time. But we've we reestablished our relationship to the facts, right? And a lot of times, what happens, I think, you know, in our own culturally, uh, when facts have been too difficult for us to cope with as a nation, 
Not that we've seen any of this in the last few years. No. We we rewrite the relationship. We I was today, today, I, I was moved to tears this morning. Uh, today is the anniversary of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Well, now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived can long endure. That is a fact. And you should go back and read that, read that sucker today, because it's really good. <laughs> And, and it's like a lot of stuff that, that we've tried to displace. You know, we do this in our own lives all the time, right? Uh, as a rule, I had a pretty good childhood, but, you know, at some point we all sort of lie about that to ourselves, you know, in one way or yeah. the other. Well, and, and so it's this distinction between if we, if we can get around to recognizing that there's a difference between what happened and the way we relate ourselves to it, yes. we're mm -hmm. kind of in a good spot to, uh, to endure the nostalgia. So um, a little bit more mundanely, of course, uh, you know, I remember thinking about this even during the 1970s, because that's when they rolled out Happy Days and all of these mm. programs that were about things that had happened 20 years earlier when the boomers were young. I'm at the tail end, right? So yeah. not, nothing to me, um, even though I live in I live, you know, just a, about a half a mile away from where Fonzie lived <laughs> from Al's Diner now. Yeah. But just saying, but it's like. um uh, nostalgia is whatever happened 20 years ago. So this is why I was sort of trying to tag you guys with, you know, your particular television generation, right? Uh, I'm watching, I'm watching people now just go crazy about the two thousands, right? That's 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know because what, and as people talking about how great the music was in the eighties, it's like, mm, yeah. You know, you know, I was just thinking about oh, that. that, that that's a hill I'll die on. <laughs> and you know what I mean? It seems like everybody fell under this spell in the 80s and the production value was kind of the same. And it, Yeah. Well, I, I want to go back just one more to in my own case, right? Because yeah. I remember all the great songs that came out of the late 60s, early 70s. There's some really great stuff. But if you look at the playlists... <laughs> Most of them are filled with shit you don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking about the Billboard charts. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's like, oh, that was there too. That was. I don't remember that. It's like, yeah, there's reasons you've stopped remembering it. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I, honestly, uh, not long ago, I I did that <laughs> that little exercise, that little online exercise where you go back and look up what what the number one Billboard hit was the day you were born or the week yeah. you were born, and for me, it was the Candyman by um, oh. which one? Uh, uh, Anthony by, Newley? Yeah, no. Anthony Newley or Sammy Davis? Sammy Jr. Davis. Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. For this gentleman, who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew? Thank you. Cover it with chocolate or a miracle too. The Candyman. The Candyman. The Candyman can because he mixes it with love. Who to can take it? Yeah, yeah I won't exactly. Do it. Oh, Andy, and, and good like, like, You know, I had thought that that song was like written before Willy Wonka. No. And I learned oh, this see. weekend it was written for the for film version yeah. of yeah. Willy Wonka. Mm -hmm. Oh, see. Yeah. And, and, but it's and okay when Gene Wilder it sings was, it. I, I, I grew Absolutely. up thinking it was for an, you know it was a, an Eminem's jingle, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. this whole thing actually brings us and and going back around to the etymology, not the entomology, because the difference between entomology and etymology is bugs, kids. That's right. Um the 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 root of the word, the term that we use, nostalgia. Um, there's another very interesting word. I believe it's Portuguese. And it's oh. swadad, not crawdad. And I'm probably pronouncing it very wrong because my Portuguese is really Portuguese rusty. is tough, man. It is. Yeah. It's not Spanish. It's not Italian. It's not a romance language, New but it is. And yeah. screw everybody over that mountain range. We're going to do things our own way. But this this term swadade actually means being nostalgic for something you never actually experienced oh, yourself. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think and that's right. Yeah. I do find that that's a very interesting <clears throat> facet of this whole thing. And like you brought up, Mark, you had that experience from the seventies. We had it even more from the seventies because, you know, I remember, yeah, when happy days first came out, suddenly everything was about the 1950s and you know, Grease Lightning and uh, Lords of Flatbush and all that stuff. And even things like The Outsiders, 
all oh, right, right. part of our generations. And isn't that interesting that we are nostalgic for something that is nostalgic, that that's nostalgic for it's two uh, times. Yeah, we're home. sort of, uh, we've yeah, never yeah. even lived. Yeah, steps yeah. removed from it. Yeah. And then you go back. Um, I, I had a very interesting discussion with my mother, my late mother, um, when uh, the Coen brothers brought, uh, put out, Oh brother, where art thou? Mm. Mm. Um, with, and I'm an absolutely <laughs> massive fan of that. Yeah. And I started being nostalgic because of that movie and was talking to my mother about it because those were the songs I grew up singing, oh. but not because I was experiencing that mm -hmm. or ever experienced that time. I mean, that's dust bowl stuff. Right. Yeah. But right. my mom and dad lived through the Great Depression and the right. Dust Bowl. I'm the youngest yeah. of six kids. My eldest sibling is 15 years and a day older than I am. Mm. But I grew up singing, went down to the river to pray. Right. And right. and right. those kinds of things. And I asked my mom and she's just like, yeah, that made me really nostalgic. Now, what you need to know about my mom is that my mom hated being nostalgic because my mom was nostalgic for a time that she had to literally suffer through. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. That was um, truly you know, miserable and there's no way to sugarcoat it. Well, and there's no way to sugarcoat the fact that my mother, bless her, miss you, mom. Um, my mother literally went through the classic lived in an orphanage after her mother died of an embolism at five. And my, my maternal grandfather, um, suffered uh my maternal grandfather served as a as a conscientious objector in world war one uh in the ardennes in france as a ordnance demolition technician oh, and, great. right no he was literally responsible for blowing up bombs that hadn't blown up and yeah, he was the you know, they often say you know back in the day they used to call it shell shock um my grandfather, it's quite obvious to me now, um, suffered from um, uh, from CTE, from from oh, constant sure. shock to the head, because yeah. those guys didn't walk 400 meters away to blow something up. They went, they strapped a stick of dynamite to it, took 20 steps back and just did that. And boom, um, mm -hmm. my mother suffered greatly for that time. And although she brought beauty with her out of that experience um the tone i remember distinctly the the difference in tone between how i was talking about that movie and how she was talking about that movie yeah, yeah. and i found it very interesting and i'm experiencing at that point i'm experiencing this, this saudi day day thing and she's experiencing nostalgia but we're both experiencing it so differently do either do any of you guys have something in your bag in your past that is because i think and this is where we're going with this nostalgia always kind of has something bittersweet that gets dragged along with it stuck to the bottom of the shoe nostalgia is is those things that made us safe in the past yeah yeah those are the places that we found comfort whatever our lives were however bad things were Every human being finds something that they can take out of that time for comfort, right? And then we rearrange it, right? And we romanticize it uh, into yeah. something. I have an experience similar to, to what Mark was describing in that, you know, for years I, I fought forest fires. And I find myself romancing it and thinking, oh, yeah, man, yeah, how yeah. good that was. How good I really felt. And then I take a step back and I realize, oh, man. I had to spend two weeks in a row with a bunch of other guys and it smelt like crusty <laughs> socks. Yeah. Right. Everybody was grouchy. Nobody liked going all the way up that hill after the third time. Right. I remember that it wasn't all that great. Wasn't but it's still romantic. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of self-defense mechanism to this too, I think, isn't oh. there? So yeah, Chris. Before it all got weaponized and now, now yeah. it's, you know, that nostalgia yeah. has been yeah. weaponized by, Chris, by advertising. <laughs> Yeah, what it's, have you got in your back uh, back catalog that makes you feel nostalgic, but also kind of sad? Um, yeah, I, I, actually, it's it's funny this question should come up. I was on the phone with uh, with a friend of mine from high school uh, two nights ago, um, and uh, we were just sort of reconnecting. We hadn't talked in a couple of years, and 
we got on to talking about, as you mentioned, you know, kind of the last seven years have been really sort of hellish and where we find ourselves in a different place. And I was going to say unique, but hellish works. And, 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 uh, you know, looking back to a simpler time, he and I were doing a little bit of that on the call. And I was like, yeah, you know, for us as kids, I mean, it was, it was a much simpler time. You know, our biggest worry was whether or not Russia was going to nuke us out of, you know, nuke us into oh, yeah. non-existence. Right. And, and, and then, and then and, and he sort of laughed and he's like, yeah, and here we are again. Uh, but everything old is. But 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 that, you know, and, and this conversation and has me sort of rethinking or recasting that and looking at it in a little bit different way. And that is, yeah, that time was also very scary and very upsetting for a lot of people and very difficult. I think maybe why. I remember that differently is because I saw that for, I saw that time period from a very different perspective than I see yeah. this time period from I'm a, I'm a 50 yeah, year old man. You definitely have this difference that none of the three, well, you and I kind of share a little well, bit. Of something well, what regard. I'm saying, what I'm saying is uh, I saw that time period from the perspective of a kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, so it's not that the time was different. It's that we were different. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and I think that that's sort of what we miss in nostalgia mm. is, is, is it, it, it almost seems like we're, yes, we're reconnecting with that time where we've sort of recast a lot of our memories in a very positive way to find comfort when what we're really nostalgic for is maybe a little bit of who we were and how we felt at that time. Yeah, well, and that's and that's I, part I of the nostalgia is it's tied to you know it's just like a smell. A smell can take you back. Mm. You oh, know, you smell the right thing, and it puts you smell. right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I'm wondering, as I'm listening to us, is I'm wondering, as especially as we talk about the last the, the last seven years, what are we going to look back on nostalgically in this time frame a few years from now? I have Antarctica. An <laughs> oh. too soon <laughs> sorry about that well, that was good that was actually really good post that, that actually had a fuse on it too yeah that was you know that was a little bit delayed there and, and yeah. run and duck for cover um, run and hope that you don't get your head wrong i yeah. have a bit of a theory maybe not a theory but i have a prediction I think that there's going to be a not insignificant number of people that actually look back upon the pandemic nostalgically. Oh, I'm already, I'm already long. nostalgic for the first three months of the pandemic. Yeah, everything uh, quiet. Well, it's not just that no everything traffic. got quiet. The air conditioning. People, no, people actually stopped and reached out to each other. Yeah. Uh, celebrities became humans. Yeah. Um, Italians were singing out the windows across uh, courtyards right. to that's each true. other. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. These are the things that I'm going to carry with me. And, you know, when I'm a doddering old man in, in the nursing home, that's what I'm going to be thinking about in at the about the I pandemic was, totally was, this was a remarkable moment in humanity. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is that also kind of ties back, Chris, to what you were talking about, about us kids growing up in the Cold War. And that is, there was something unifying about it. There was something, and it wasn't an us versus them thing, although, I mean, it, it was, but it was more, we've got to stand locked arm in arm. We need to support each other. We need to be able to count on each other. We need to be able to set aside our differences and see, find the points of commonality. And you're absolutely right. That happened at the beginning of the pandemic. What's interesting to me is just how quickly it faded away. Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, the weird um, positive negative dichotomy thing, uh, I do get nostalgic for my run and gun days back when I was an addict. And this is interesting. And Ty, you're going to be able to speak to this. 
because there's something that happens in addict circles, particularly if you're working 12-step and group programs, where there's always that one guy who really brings his fondness for his addiction <laughs> into the discussion. And quite often it can really, it can make things uncomfortable because they're not aware enough of how much pain discussing that in that way can bring to somebody who is really struggling with their addiction. And so it's often kind of flagged off, but as you get more distant from it, I mean, I've got so many just absolutely absurd, ridiculous stories of what I did oh, yeah. in the name yeah, yeah, yeah. of my addictions. Oh, and yeah. I can laugh at them now. And I feel both blessed and privileged to be able to laugh at them now, because I certainly wasn't laughing about them back then. Well, you know, and that's, I had a counselor as I was getting sober um, <clears throat> that actually encouraged us to look at the things that made us feel good in that addiction right? Mm -hmm. The, the mm -hmm. things that were cool in your addiction, right? Because there was a reason that you were in that addiction. Uh, maybe, yeah, self-medicating and everything else, but mm. um, you got a dopamine. Yeah. What part you of know? it? Oh, right. There was something going on that kept you there. Yeah. And so it's, you can't do anything about that if you don't pay attention to it. If you don't. Well, and not only it. that, not pay attention to it so much as you can't make any progress from that place unless you acknowledge the fact that what you were experiencing there was real. Um, that dopamine hit, that's a real thing. And I was like you in that one of my first sponsors kind of took me aside and went, okay, there's a difference between how we address that in a group and how we address that in a peer-to-peer -peer relationship. Mm -hmm. It's cool between you and me right now, but you need to be aware of how Discussing it that way can trigger somebody in a group setting. But I want to validate for you that that is a real thing because you know what? It was fucking funny. It made you laugh. It was a good time. It was a shared experience and something to look back on with somebody else. And then what a good sponsor or a good counselor will do is say, but that wasn't exclusive to the drug. That wasn't intrinsic exactly. to the drug. Exactly. Where can you find that in behavior that you're doing now that will give you a similar yeah. experience? That's the next step. Yeah, that's, that's the, the learning step. curve of yeah. it. Um, Mark, as we go out here, what do you think Aristotle would say about Drop my moment? Here it oh, is. I should know the answer to this, and I don't. We'll have to pick it up next time. No, I'm sure, no you know, because here's the thing. No, the weird thing is like I could make something up, but I guarantee you someplace he talks <laughs> we'd all about buy this. Into it. I know, but it's like, I here's the deal. It's like somebody out there will know that I'm bullshitting. And it's like, and the thing is that, is that with Aristotle, it's like, you know, if you ever want to, if you ever want to tell people you're quoting somebody, just pretend it's Shakespeare. They go, oh, because they're not going to look. But no. with Aristotle, it's like odds are he actually said something about nostalgia, and I just can't remember what it was. What it well, was, I do know who did discuss nostalgia, and that, of course, was Nietzsche. Oh, um, and you know, the, uh, I, I, and I'm sorry, I can't cite a source. I'll try to find it and put it in links. But I remember somewhere, um, and this is gonna Nietzsche is gonna lead me to Kierkegaard here. Okay, um, Nietzsche really looked. Most of the German philosophers of the time were dealing with nostalgia because this was a wave of nostalgia that was happening in the 19th century. Um, uh, uh, and it, it's embodied in things like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and all these other pieces of literature. But really, most of the German school of thought at the time was that nostalgia actually kind of equaled death. You were not living your life if you were being nostalgic. But it brings me, as I hear Mark typing to try to come up with something from Aristotle. Actually, I was my mouse has died. Oh, oh there okay. we go. No, ah. never mind. Just did you turn it off and on again? I did. Yes, of course I did. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, boy, that's <laughs> there. There's another point in nostalgia for you right there. Mark, Back Mark. That, you Hello, <laughs> you know, computer, well, computer. Yeah, just in <laughs> when you talk about Kierkegaard and you talk about you know what a Kierkegaard's main thrusts was this idea of passion. Oh yeah. Well, you can that, get me started there. I'm going to wait and see how you connect these dots now. Go on. 
That's just it. I'm not saying that I can't. I am feeling something there, though. You know, um, you know how Kierkegaard in one of his metaphors, sorry, um, you know, really said that passion is that moment in the air when a dancer is jumping. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, That that moment in time where everything is suspended and nothing matters. That's the point of passion. And I'm feeling some kind of call to a connection of the dots, but I can't make it. I think I, so, you know, I I think this is the right way to go. And uh, um, uh, uh, so it's always important to remember that passions and emotions are different, right? Yes. And that, that the difference is that emotions are things you have and uh, passion, which the Latin means to suffer, right? So passions are things you endure. Yes. And I wonder what, I I wonder if it isn't where we are with nostalgia, right? That it's, it's, we have to endure that right? Rather than just have it. You know, I don't think you kind of deliberately go back and rewrite your relationship to the stuff that happened to you. I don't know. I mean, there's like, it's there's like a, a conscious level. Yeah. And there's like a mechanism. I was, that's, yeah. ex- I think that's a defense mechanism, actually. It's, yeah. it's to, uh, to make it mechanism at a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Having been endurable. And, um, uh, so you kind of suffer it. I, you know, the, 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 the only thing I can think of in Aristotle comes out of the, out of his rhetoric where he talks about the ways politicians manipulate us. <laughs> so that, that, <clears throat> you know, uh, link us back and, and connect us back to memories that none of us had about an America that never existed. Right. Mm-hmm. But we do there the same go. thing. Well, and we do the same thing with our own lives. Right. So Absolutely. this is not a, yeah, this but is not a new thing. I think what I want to leave everybody with to, to pull this out of the fire uh, for, is yeah no you're <laughs> no you're right that the one thing that i do think that nostalgia can do mm-hmm. is t- not engender a sense of hope but to help create a sense of hope about the future because if you if you like ty and i were talking about if you go back and you look at the reality of what things were but then find places in your current life and ways to make that same feeling happen again you can move forward into the future with a little more hope because what it's making you do is realize that you can't change anything about the past you can only change your behavior now in order to shape your path into the future and if we all did that right now i I'm pretty sure that the world would be a better place instead of constantly being nostalgic, looking for how we can recreate good will between people as we move into the future. And I guess the only, the last thing to say, as we sign That's off, a mic here, drop. Thank you, Andy. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, if I, if I'm going to have a mic drop moment, it's going to be this. Remember people that's Dr. Mark. That's Ty. That's Chris. I'm Andy. We tell you, Keep your hat on because we may end up miles from here. But also, remember, even nostalgia ain't what it used to be. Anyways, we're out of here. We'll see you, I believe, the next time we will be seeing you or you seeing us is in 2023. God, really? Ugh. But anyways, everybody, have a wonderful holiday season. I hope you uh, suffered your turkey passion well and you're headed towards your roast beast passion with abandon. Anyways, everybody, take care. We'll talk to you next time, and bye-bye. Charpentry, France, January 1st, 1919. Dearest mother, well, another year has rolled around, and in place of the grim and hideous spectacle which the last few years have found confronting them on taking their appointed place in the ages, it finds all mankind at peace. I can well imagine with what a frenzied and momentous joy the wild bells ushered in this new year of 1919. God grant that all subsequent years finds the world more securely attached to peace and peaceful pursuits. It would be too bad if this war had been fought in vain, unless the whole world stands as a unit and agrees to abolish compulsory military service and fails to uphold the 14 points of President Wilson's plan. I am sure, in a few years, expect the same awful catastrophe to occur again.
and with more terrible and appalling results. There is no way to judge the future but by the past. My prayers are now for the Peace Council which is soon to sit. I hope God be with them in their work so that their poor blind eyes be able to see their way clear and guide them aright. On their heads rests the future of this turbulent sphere. How well their work is done determines the safety of it. Let us sincerely hope and pray for the best so that the sacrifices and heroic sufferings and efforts will bear fruit. Private George W. Grady, Ordnance Detachment, American Expeditionary Force, France.